Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. How's everybody doing? Let's take a minute and just check in with ourselves. Ah, oh, yes. How are we feeling? If we're tired, we need a nap. We need rest. We don't need a Red Bull or more coffee. We don't need to push through. We need to back off. Daily reminder, weekly reminder, monthly reminder that we're not trying to live in burnout. I don't want us to normalize burnout. And so we are backing off when we're tired. We're listening to our bodies. Again, if we're feeling sleepy, if we're feeling bored, if we're feeling unmotivated, that means we need rest. We don't need to find a way to push through. That is toxic grind culture. That is toxic hustle culture. Our worth, our self-esteem is not tied to how much we are doing work-wise or how much we're producing. It's based on how much we take care of ourselves and how much we, how well we treat other people. So it's okay to back off. It's okay to turn things down. It's okay to cancel plans. We're taking care of ourselves here. We're not living in burnout. No valor in that. No mental health in that. So ask yourself, do I need to, you know, we're doing 70% max. That's always my catchphrase, 70% max, leaving a little room and energy for other things. So, uh, you know, build that in a little bit of self-care, some rest, some joy, some pleasure. Uh, got our DMs open, DMs on our Loveline IG page. That's for any questions you got, topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to. Always open, you know, once you get your needs met. Uh, an article was released and it was kind of a little bit of an accumulation of a bunch of different articles. And I thought it was kind of an interesting one. And it talked about, uh, red flags that should never be ignored. I talk about concepts like that a lot on the show, because these are things we need constant reinforcement and reminders around because one of the things I see coming into my own social group, into my own life, into my clinical practice is that we are consistently normalizing things that aren't healthy, aren't okay, aren't appropriate, or or sometimes actual forms of abuse, emotional and psychological abuse. That's harder for us to catch because physical abuse is far easier. Hitting, slapping, throwing, easy for us to catch. Not always easy for us to deal with, but easy for us to identify, you know? But the emotional and the psychological harder because some of it's been normalized. We see it on television. We were raised in families where they did these things, name calling, being put down. Uh, that's, that's emotional abuse. Not okay. It needs to stop. Also things like implied violence, where even though maybe you're not throwing something at someone, you're throwing things near them in the same room, slamming things. That is a form of abuse. Yes. It's implied violence. And for many people, it's actually violent because it's a trigger. If they've been raised in violent families, that very much makes them feel unsafe and ungrounded. So we're, we're not doing those things anymore. 
But we're going to talk a little bit about some of the red flags that we should never ignore. Because remember, red flags aren't necessarily deal breakers. Red flags are things that we're tracking and keeping an eye on to see if they're deal breakers. And we're also differentiating that from what is annoying or frustrating. We allow things that are annoying or frustrating. We have to understand that distinction. All relationships have that. But we've talked about that on the show before. Um, but again, we're going to kind of dispel some myths. So what is tonight's show about? Dispelling myths, calling out forms of emotional and psychological abuse, calling out red flags because... Moving forward, y'all, we're taking care of ourselves and we're taking care of those around us. So it's going to be one of those nights. So put on your seatbelts, put on your helmets. we got a lot because we're going to be learning about ourselves. Because <laughs> as always, we're asking ourselves, is this what I maybe do? Is this something that I'm bringing into someone else's life, into my relationship, into my marriage, into my family system, into my social group? Because whether or not you're single, asexual, aromantic, married, Wherever you're at in your life, all of these things are about interpersonal relationships. So even though I might say the word relationship, which historically we assume means romantic, it means all the different ways that we exist in other people's lives and the ways that they exist in our life. And our mental health is determined by the way we impact others. All right. So drum roll, please. What are we talking about? What are the things we need to be paying attention to? Well, how quickly someone moves into a relationship. So just that statement alone, we could spend the entire night talking about, and I'm going to do my best to make sure I don't, because I, I know I can um, sometimes drop real deep into something, but I think that's important. So what does that mean? Well, we have to remember that, uh, gosh, there's so many gems in this. We, when we are in, a, when we're dating, we're dating to see if we want a relationship with someone. We date to see if someone's compatible enough with us. Uh, deserves us, worthy of us. We also date to see if we're worthy of them to decide if we should be in a relationship. Dating is not the relationship. Remember that. Dating is where we take this casual, slow process to go through different milestones and moments and experiences with someone to really see what we're like as a couple. And it takes time for us to see what we're like as a couple. What are we like as a couple during weekdays? What do we like as a couple on the weekends? What do we like as a couple on holidays? What do we like in uh, as a couple navigating plans, stressful times? What is sex like? How often do we like to have it together? What's the quality of it? What kind of conversations and intimacy do we have? What's the quality of that? What's it like when we're trying to make plans? What's travel like? Take it seriously. Finding someone hot or cool or fun isn't enough to build a life upon, but some people think it is, and that's when they end up in my office doing couples therapy. There's other reasons why people end up in my office, because maybe they are compatible and they want to elevate their relationship, improve their relationship, work on a few things. So it's not to imply that couples therapy is a sign that you've rushed in too fast. Quite the opposite. Couples therapy, just like individual therapy, is a sign that like, I'm aware that I'm constantly impacting the mental health and quality of life of those around me, children, friends, family members, colleagues, whatnot. And I take that seriously. So that's what it really means. But sometimes people end up in my office because they didn't date first. So we're going to talk more about that. I'm going to save your relationship. So stick around. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. More to come. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how making, making the decision about partner choice is a very big deal. And I think people take it too lightly. And they jump in very quickly because they uh, romanticize and idealize. And in the beginning of a relationship, it's all romanticization and idealization. We don't actually know the real person before us yet because we haven't had enough time with them or had enough experiences for them to really take shape and take form. And so we're operating off of a lot of projection and a lot of lust. Now, that's all awesome in the beginning. We need that. That's what makes us take the time to see them, call them back, spend money on them, all sorts of stuff. But we have to go through different moments, experiences, and milestones to really see what we're like as a couple. And that determines the health and quality, sustainability, and happiness of the possible relationship we might have. Dating and relationships are two separate things. Even though dating is relational, it isn't the choice to be primary partners. We have to date for length of time to see what we're like as a couple, what part of myself is brought out when I'm with this person and what part of them is brought out when they're with me. It takes time. And sometimes people move too quick. Remember, people that that want to move very quick in often move very quick out because they move quick and they're impulsive. So if they rush in, you can safe bet that they might also rush right out. Uh, so people that are willing to take their time and move slow are willing to take their time and move slow. They take it seriously and you can have a little more confidence that they're not just going to bounce at the first thing that's disappointing or frustrating. People that have been on dating apps have that experience where someone just love bombs you. They're flooding you with compliments and they're sending you pictures and videos. That's so impulsive. And the key term there is they're impulsive. They're impulsively rushing in. They will impulsively rush out at the first sign of reality, frustration, disappointment. Give more credence, have more safety, feel more trust with those that move slower. Don't problematize someone that's like, hey, let's take our time. Hey, it's Tuesday night. I got a busy week. I'll see you on Friday. You know, we're looking for consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. Always. We're trying to provide that. We're looking for that. I'll say it again. Consistent, available, reliable, and responsive. That's a sign that someone's interested. But that doesn't mean that they're willing to be monogamous right away. That doesn't mean that they're going to see us right away, be monogamous right away, make us their partner right away. Be wary of people that want to lock you down that quickly because they don't know you yet. It's anxiety and impulsiveness. Slow. We want to go through milestones. So that's a red flag. Someone who's just like, bam, 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 let's do this because they don't even know you. It's actually not a compliment (laughs) for operating off of lust, projection, and romanticization. They don't know you. You can't take that compliment. 
they say, I love you and they want to, you know, move in and never leave. Um, Another one, and this is really fascinating, and this is going to be a lot of people feeling like they're getting called out. When someone talks poorly about all their exes, that's a big problem for a lot of reasons. Number one, it shows that they don't deal with disappointment and frustration well. There's no reason to talk badly about your ex. That helps no one. And it's a warning that the person you're talking to badly about your ex might be the person that in the future you're also talking badly about because anyone who talks badly about their exes is saying, I, again, don't know how to honor what might have been disappointing or frustrating and um, really struggles to be kind. Um, also, there's this common denominator that if someone's talking about all their exes as crazy, and again, that's a very ableist, problematic term, but let's go with it because that's the soundbite that people often use. Oh, all my exes are crazy. Well, that's odd because you keep choosing them and staying with them. So that actually tells me more about you, both your partner choice, but more importantly, what you allow, but more importantly, how you problematically talk about someone who is in your life for a period of time. Um, there's no reason to put someone down because things didn't work out. And it's, there's, you know, and we don't want to blame other people for us maybe being a part of or sticking around in an unhealthy relationship. So how we label historical relationships is also us talking about our own level of health. And again, you're not telling the person who you're talking to anything really positive about how you might be speaking about them in the future. Just because a relationship doesn't go well, just because someone struggled to be a good partner to us doesn't make them bad, wrong, or crazy. Now, of course, there are some people that are violent. Yes, of course, there are some people that are abusive, but you still don't need to put them down and call them crazy. You can say, yeah, my partner was really struggling with their mental health, or yeah, my partner really struggled to have good boundaries. Yeah, my partner struggled to be kind, but I want people to see these from the door so they're not with these people long-term. But even if somehow magically you end up being with them for a, a long time, be very thoughtful about how you present people that have been in your life in the past. That is a communication of your level of health. Um, now, <clears throat> one of the more common ones, and I agree with this, and it's a little bit of a cliche, is how people that you're dating or in relationships with or married to or friends with treat people that are in lower uh, positions of power. Now, that's a global statement how anyone treats people that have less power than them speaks very highly or poorly of their own ethics, values, and character. Whether you are a government official, whether you are a boss, a supervisor, whether you are a celebrity, whether you are someone who's wealthy, anyone who has less power than you, if you mistreat them, if you take advantage of that power, if you negatively impact their mental health, shame on you because you are responsible for what you do with your power and your privilege. And you show the world your ethics, your mental health, and your character based on what you do with that. I'll never forget, because I'm around really good people, because I don't spend time around people that don't move through the world with compassion and care. But I remember once being at a lunch with a friend, it was a new friend, and I, I thought we all at least knew that you were kind to service workers. Like I thought that was like a bare minimum. Um, apparently not. This is a couple years ago. And the person was so rude to the server. And I said to them, you, I, I didn't even care about being appropriate myself with this person. I said, that is unacceptable. And if you continue to talk to them like that, not only am I not interested in being friends, like I'm out of here. That is not okay. It was so shocking to me. It was such a misuse of power. This poor person's job is dependent upon 
they have to engage with you. They don't have a right to set a boundary with you sometimes. They don't feel empowered enough to do that. Their, 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 their rent is dependent upon them serving you and getting a tip and, and having this job. And they can't advocate for themselves necessarily. They can't take care of themselves necessarily. It's such a misuse of that. Um, I thought we all knew that. All right, we're going we're gonna to come back. We'll talk more about this because I, I thought this was like a bare minimum. I thought we all knew this. Uh, more to come, though, about red flags. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, we're back. I want to just kind of bring back a statement I was saying um, before we went to the break, which, by the way, if you want to hear past episodes, go to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down for Love Line. Click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. I was talking about the fact that I thought we all knew <laughs> that in the very least that we would have a healthy level of shame around the mistreatment publicly of service workers. Now, please never mistreat anyone who has less power than you, or in fact, anyone at all. I don't care what your role, job description, or title is, you mistreating someone, and especially misusing power, shame on you, that's disgusting. But I thought we all at least knew like, hey, you know, service workers, and when you're with someone you don't know well, like at least be on your better behavior, because my God, if you can't even be on your better behavior in that respect, I'm f afraid of what you're doing behind the scenes. So I was telling a story about being at a lunch with a friend who was a new friend, someone I didn't know well, someone who was trying to become my friend, uh, how rude they were to the server. And I was like, that is unacceptable. That is offensive. That person has less power than you in this current dynamic. They cannot advocate for themselves, tell you to shut up, walk away, set a boundary necessarily. I don't know what's going on with them working here and how empowered they feel by their supervisors and all that. That's disgusting. Stop. And the person was offended and said, don't tell me what to do. And I was like, wow, that's what you got out of what, out of me calling you out for your mistreatment. Like, at lunch is over. <laughs> like I can't even sit through this because that's the bare minimum. How people in positions of power treat those that have less power than them, those that work under them, those that work for them, those that are not as empowered says everything about them. Again, I don't care if you're an elected official. I don't care if you're a judge. I don't care if you're a cop. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're a parent. I don't care if you're a boss or supervisor. Shame on you if people that are under you, that are in your care, that work for you, if you mistreat them, if you talk to them poorly, if you misuse power, if you talk down to them, that is abuse. You're abusive. And it, it, there's never a context in which it's okay. It's not like, ah, well, that was in the courtroom, so it's okay. No, it's not. No, it's not. Oh, that's the classroom. The teacher was really tired. Not okay. You might be traumatizing a child. You might be re-traumatizing a child. Let me tell you something. All jobs are hard. Being a therapist is freaking hard. Being a judge, I'm sure, is really hard. So it's not about the difficulty of the job. It's about some people are in your care because of your job. I had some teachers that were abusive because they were stressed beyond belief. They needed a break. They needed a different job. I don't know what they needed. This isn't, I'm not calling out teachers. I'm calling about people. I'm calling out people in positions of power that misuse it. And I was traumatized by some teachers because of their misuse of power. I was a child. I had no way to advocate for myself to set a boundary. No one was advocating for me. We need to think about that. So pay attention to that when you're dating. Pay attention to that with your friends. Call your friends out. Even with dating and romance, like I, I've said this on the show before, don't hit on your server. They are not in a position to turn you down in the way that they might be off the clock and outside of their place of work. So be thoughtful about that. You know, It's not just consent culture, it's also this sense of red flags. We wanna be aware of red flags for anyone operating in our life. So I want to come back to the point, which is we're looking at things that really are quite problematic, but kind of get normalized. And I thought that was like the bare minimum. 
um, this is mental health. Other people's mental health is in your hands in a lot of dynamics because you're, I don't even want to call out all the different ways, but as we move through our day, as we move through the week, there's a lot of people that hold more power than we do. They're gatekeepers. They, they, they offer or withhold access to a lot of different things. And I want people to take that role very seriously. Um, another one, and this is something I just heard about through a friend of mine and I understand what's driving it. And as we're working to uh, dismantle these larger systems that drive such behavior, it is still on a micro interpersonal level unfair. Uh, someone presenting on a dating app as someone or something other than they are. Usually it's about using, let's say for instance, old photos. I appreciate that we live in an ageist culture I appreciate that we live in a luxist culture. And as we're working on changing that and developing this sense of desirability through our entire lifespan and for all different shapes and sizes, it's still unfair to post pictures that don't look like you and to waste someone's time. No one should have to show up on a date and meet someone at the table that isn't the person they consented to meeting. It is a consent issue. We can't consent if we're not informed. Consent involves having all the information. And if I don't have all the information that that is not what you look like any longer, then I did not consent to that date and you have violated me. And again, violations happen on a hierarchy. This might be a lower level one, but it's not okay. And you have a right to walk away immediately and say, I'm sorry, this date is not gonna begin. You are not the person as you presented yourself on the app. Have a great night. No one should have to sit through a date with someone who's not who they said they were because the pictures don't look like them or whatever other reason might be. It's not okay. Um, as we're working on dismantling desirability politics and market value and ageism and looksism and all the things that lead someone to not feel secure in just being who they are, that hurts my heart. I want everyone to feel valid and dateable and, and, and able to be eroticized based on whatever body shape, size, whatever age they are, whatever might have gone on or shifted or changed. But that doesn't mean that you can misuse where we currently are. It's called consent and that's a part of consent and we have to get better about that. I'm always actively working on us being better in the world and it has a trickle down effect. But until we get there, this piece matters. All right. When we come back, we're going to do some DMS and then we'll get back to this topic. So don't go anywhere. You're listening to love line. Y'all with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all we're back. Now it's time to slide into those DMS sliding into the DMS. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alyssa. I'm 36 years old and my partner of eight years and I just broke up a month ago. Ooh, eight years. It's a long time. Our identities are fused. Our lives are fused. Our social lives, maybe our finances, all sorts of stuff. It's a lot to break away from. Back to your question. You said it's been extremely hard. And what's even worse is that I believe, oh, here we go. I'm sorry, that uh, she might have stole a bunch of things from me. Some days I want to press charges. Every other times I feel bad. I'm trying to be the healthier, bigger person. I'm torn. I want to punish. What should I do? Um, never punish. Punish and revenge are signs of weakness and they resolve and fix absolutely nothing. That's someone who's, that's just dysregulation. Um, it's much like the criminal injustice system. It's very much about punishment. It's not about healing or retribution or resolve. And that's what you really need to get to. What needs to be done to make this better? What needs to be done to fix this? The only thing that would fix this or make this better is getting your stuff back, but harming them, attacking them, punishing them, revenge does nothing. It's just you acting out anger and hopefully you have enough integrity where you would feel bad 
bad afterwards. And you'd be marketing yourself to the world as someone who doesn't deal with disappointment well. I'm sorry that happened. It's not okay at all. In, quite, in, in fact, it's damaging in that you might redefine the entire relationship and say, my God, who was this person? You know, I thought I knew them and now I don't. It can be very traumatic. So I, I really do empathize with that truly. But I want you to move forward with your integrity intact. And that means you manage this with integrity and valor. And, and, and you have to ask yourself, what kind of person do I want to be when I'm disappointed and frustrated? And that's what this is. Um, getting the cops involved doesn't necessarily do anything. In fact, in a lot of ways, it causes more harm and more damage and it ruins more people's lives. I would love for you to be able to reach out to this person and say, hey, can we talk this through? There were once with so much care and love in our lives. And if it's things that aren't that important to you, move on. Yeah, it's really hard. People hurt each other and that's such a bummer. I want it to be a call to action for all of us that we're responsible for everything we do. Just because a relationship is over or you don't like how it ended doesn't mean it's okay to engage in bad behavior. And I'm saying this about the author of the questions partner who stole things. Grow up, do better. You're also letting the world know you're not safe to be in someone's life because you're showing the world when things end, I don't think I'm responsible for anyone. You always are. Everything matters. I expect integrity at all times through all things, no matter what. Just because the relationship ended or ended bad doesn't mean you have a right to steal things or gossip or harm or bully. People do that though. Relationship is go ends poorly and they start gossiping and trash talking and like this person's stealing. That's horrible. That means you're not mature enough to be in a relationship with anyone. Learn how to deal with your disappointment better to the person who stole from you. So I'm sorry that happened. Um, it's such a bummer. So see what you can do, reach out and then realize maybe you have to move on and let it go. It's such a bummer. Um, all right, we got time for one more. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I was wondering if you had any ideas about self-care on a budget. I actually really like that question. Yes, because basically uh, self-care shouldn't cost any money. Self-care on a budget would mean more leisure, more pleasure, and more rest. Sleep more, take naps. That's the most important thing we need. Most people I know and I'm working with are living in burnout. Rest more, take naps, do less, cancel more plans, and do more things that make you feel good and happy. Watch more movies, sleep in, masturbate more, eat ice cream, do some online shopping. It's okay to do things that give us joy and pleasure. Yes, it's okay to do those things to also cope and self-soothe. We don't have to just sit in every single feeling. Yes, we want the ability to do that sometimes, but again, we're also allowed to distract, check out, and have some joy and pleasure in our lives. So again, all the things that fall under rest, all the things that fall under leisure, and all the things that fall under pleasure. And I would do the something that falls under those categories every single day. You better believe I do. I take all the downtime I can. I do all the things that bring me joy and pleasure as often and as much as I can. And I engage in leisure activities. I take entire days where I turn my phone off and it's all about me and what I want to do and what's going to feel good. And if something comes into my day, I say, does that sound fun? And how will that impact my mental health? And that's how we live a life rooted in self-care, which is the opposite of how the world operates. A lot of people shame that, say it's lazy, say it's not mature. They're wrong. They've drank in the Kool-Aid of capitalism and productivity. So good luck with that. Let me know. Love hearing back from people. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back to. Um, we are channelq.com is where you want to go to check out past episodes of the show. Scroll down the for love line and click on it, but we'll be back y'all. So, uh, don't go anywhere. We got so much more to come. You're listening to love line with Dr. Chris on channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
All right, y'all, we're back. We're doing a large deep dive into a whole lot of things using the entry point of uh, what are some wide ubiquitous red flags in all of our interpersonal relationships that uh, we got to get better about. We're talking about consent culture. We're talking about looksism and ageism. We're talking about dating apps. We're talking about emotional abuse. I mean, we're talking about everything tonight. Um, we were talking just before the DMs, though, about people who uh, don't, don't, aren't able to consent because they're not being given all the information they need about going on a date with someone because someone's misrepresenting themselves with false pictures, pictures that are out of date, whatever it might be. They can't then consent to that date with you because they think they're going on a date with somebody else. You're not giving them informed consent, which means they have all the information necessary. We talk about that in the healthcare field. If before I take a medication or have a surgery, you need to tell me the good, the bad, the ugly, the pluses, the minuses, or the what I have to worry about, the things that might go wrong. We see it on the drug commercials on TV where they'll be like, hey, take this pill and it'll elevate your mood. However, it will lead to, for some people, suicidality and they go on and on. It might you know, ruin your liver. Yeah, that's informed consent. Before I can consent to taking this medication, it is your responsibility to tell me all the things that I might come in contact with and all the things that could possibly happen to me as a result of taking that medication. But that is how the wider world has to be with sex, with dating. Hey, you need to know these photos aren't what I look like right now. And, if, and, then you, and then with that knowledge, you can consent to going on a date with me. We don't want to be misleading people. Here's what I say all the time in my office. Because of our bad behavior, dating sucks for so many people. A lot of people are like, oh, I roll dating. It's horrible. It shouldn't have to be that way. And it doesn't have to be that way if people were more ethical. Say what you want. Tell people what you're looking for. Tell people when you're interested. Tell them when you're not interested. Tell them that you're married and you're cheating. Tell them that these photos are out of date. At least have some level of ethics because you're making it hard on people. I tell people all that time, if you're not willing to break up with someone, you're not healthy or mature enough to date. If you're not willing to talk about STDs, STIs, and protection, you're not healthy enough to have sex or mature enough to have sex. That is part of it. And if you're not willing to do that, if you're listening and you're like, I know I tend to ghost people, I struggle with telling them I'm not interested anymore, please stop dating and work on that first because you're harming people and you're making the system harder for people. It is an expectation. You have to be willing to do that. And if you're not, pause on dating, stop wasting people's time, stop hurting them, stop ghosting and go work on that. And then when you're healthy enough, come back and start doing it again. Because part of dating is saying, thanks for hanging out. It's been a great couple months. The chemistry's not there, or I'm not as interested as I thought I was, or I found somebody else and I'm not interested in spending time anymore. You have to be willing to do that. That is a part of this. And that's part of making the dating world healthier, more fun. Be transparent, be honest. Okay. What are some other things that are red flags? What are some other things that we need to work on interpersonally? This is all coming from an amazing article that pulled together a bunch of things in reference to red flags within interpersonal world, social, dating, romance, sex, that we all need to be better about. And so this is us looking at ourselves first. Do I do this? before we talk about, oh yeah, I have a friend who does that. Maybe I need to see that as a red flag. Maybe I need to, you know, whatever. First, we're looking at ourselves and saying, yikes, I have work to do. Um, how they express anger. Uh, we tend to <laughs> not right size our responses. We tend to have very extreme responses to things that aren't really worthy of it. I often talk about right sizing things really checking in on the appropriate response based on the severity of what happened. That is an important skill for any kind of relationship you're going to have with any other human being in the world, parent and child, friend to friend, 
partner to romance partner, husband to wife, brother to brother, whatever it is. We need to right size things. I always talk about zero to 10, 10 being the most severe, zero being nothing. What number on a scale of zero to 10 is this event that has occurred? And then my response, my reaction should be appropriate to that level. Anything five or above is mean, means that whatever happened was violent or oppressive. Most things in our life, luckily, interpersonally, are probably from a zero to a five. They're often not violent or oppressive. And so your response needs to be like a two or a three, chill. But we tend to crank it up. Oh, wow, you didn't, talk, you didn't call me when you said you would. And I act like it's a freaking 10. No, it's not. There was no violence or oppression in that. You're just frustrated or disappointed or let down. That's a two or a three. Calm it down crank it down. Because if you're cranking everything up to an eight, nine or 10, when it's not, you're being emotionally abusive. You are dysregulated. You are not safe to be around. You are not safe to date or to be dated because you bring intensity to everything. You're exhausting. Work on that. Acknowledge that you need to work on cranking things down and right-sizing them. If you're disappointed or frustrated or let down, you should be able to calmly say that, Hey, I was kind of bummed out. You said you were going to be there at seven and you showed up at eight. That is not a violent, oppressive thing. You should not be at a seven, an eight, a nine, or a 10. No one drove a car over you. No one kicked your dog. No one burned your house down. Crank it down. It's called right-sizing it. We have to de-intensify things. We tend to make everything extreme. And that is a very unsafe person to be around emotionally, truly. We have to learn how to regulate ourselves. I always say healthy interpersonal conflict resolution means not even starting these difficult conversations until we're at like a zero, a one, or a two. We don't come in hot. All right, stick around. We're going to talk more about this. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back talking about the way we express our emotions and how the appropriateness of it speaks to our own mental health and how safe we are to be around. If everything that's upsetting or disappointing or frustrating, we act out as though it's a seven, an eight, a nine, or a 10, we're being dramatic, we're catastrophizing, we're dramatizing, we're not healthy to be around. We have to right-size things. Based on the severity of what we're talking about, what happened, our reaction should match it. And most of the time, it's a two or it's a three. We gotta calm down. Oh, your neighbor didn't bring in the trash cans. That's a two or a three. Oh, someone showed up an hour late when they promised to be on time. That's a two or a three. You're disappointed, you're frustrated crank it down. Oh, you didn't hear back from someone. That's a two or a three. That is uh, five and above is for things that are oppression or violence. And those are not forms of oppression or violence. They're frustrations, their disappointments, their letdowns, their annoyings. I don't care how often they do it. We tend to let ourselves off the hook and really, really, really support our own dysregulation and wonder why we have chaotic, problematic relationships. Wonder why people don't feel safe telling us what they're really thinking or feeling. Wondering why people walk around on eggshells around us. And then of course you can apply that to a partner and say, oh my God, my partner's always catastrophizing things, always dramatizing everything. Yeah, your partner's struggling with their mental health. They're very dysregulated. One of the key components of mental health is the ability to regulate ourselves. First and foremost, our ability to safely be an adult in adult relationships is based on our ability to regulate. Children learn regulation from their parents and the people around them. If parents can't regulate themselves, dear God in heaven, how can you yell your child for throwing a fit? You throw a fit. And until you're able to regulate yourself, how can you expect your child to? But parents will tell their children from their own place of dysregulation, screaming, blah, 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 to calm down, but the parent can't even do it. So how would the child learn how to do it? You don't, you shouldn't have to wait for your child to calm down for you to calm down. They need you to be able to calm down first. You're the adult. 
you're the adult. And that's why we date before we get into relationships, to have experiences with these people, to see how adult or regulated they are. And in times of stress, in times of frustration, you're, you're, the person you're dating will show you whether or not you should be in a relationship with them based on their responses. I don't want to date or be friends with anyone where if I disappoint them or frustrate them, they crank it up like it's a seven, an eight, a nine, or a 10. Dear God in heaven, I want them to be like, hey, it was kind of a bummer what you said. Hey, I was kind of disappointed that you showed up late. I'd say, great, let's talk about it. That's a sign of health, appropriate responses. So be that person and expect that. Um, what are some of the other things? Ooh, here's another one. So again, we're talking about interpersonal red flags. We're talking about things that we want to work on in all of our different relationships. So this isn't dating red flags. This is like all relationships. And we've normalized some of this really problematic stuff so much so that people aren't able to identify it in themselves that it needs to be worked on or even in their partner. And we're talking about it within the scope of like every relationship we're a part of. We impact the other people's mental health, so we have to take this stuff seriously. So pushing boundaries is a really problematic one. <clears throat> when someone tells us no, we have to be able to hear no, whether you like it or not. Someone says no, we say, okay. Bummer to hear, but okay. The only, the only proper response for someone saying no thank you, no, I can't do that, that doesn't work for me, that doesn't feel good is okay. Anyone who tries to convince us out of our boundaries or knock them down or climb over them is unsafe. And I mean it, I really mean that. We have to get better at being told no. Everyone has to. No one is above someone else's boundaries. I don't care what arbitrary role, label, or title you have in someone's life. You have to be able to be told no. Parents, you have to be able to be told no by a child sometimes. Children are allowed to have boundaries. Bosses, supervisors, your employees are allowed to have boundaries. They're human. Thank God we're, we're, we're setting that as a standard and a norm. I still have clients though that are sharing with me these horrible examples of people being abusing in their positions of power and not being able to be told no, not understanding work-life balances. No employee should have to be doing work or checking work email off hours or on the weekend. That is a bad boundary. And businesses are saying like, oh, we can't find employees. That's right, because y'all are boundaryless. Not only do you not pay well or have good health care, you don't have boundaries. You don't deserve employees. You have to earn employees. Parents, you have to earn the respect of your children. You don't just get handed it because you forced them into the world. Teachers, you don't just naturally have it because you're in a position of power because you give out grades. Earn it. Earn respect. Earn it. Your students are allowed to have boundaries. Yes, they're allowed to say, I wasn't able to do my homework. I had a rough weekend. My parents are alcoholics. My parents are abusive. I was depressed. I'm struggling with some social anxiety. Yeah, homework didn't get done. I'm a human. I get to set boundaries. I get to take care of myself. We got to change the way the system works. It has to honor mental health more. That's why I'm glad to hear that schools are now allowing mental health days. Let's stop glamorizing perfect attendance. Let's not normalize going to school when you're sick. Let's practice not going to school when we're sick. Let's practice taking mental health days off. Let's practice taking days off to just focus on fun. Let's not be doing perfect attendance. That's a horrible model. Employees, take your paid time off, take your vacation days, take your sick days, 100%. We need to start setting boundaries and taking care of ourselves. I'm working with people whose mental health is tanked. They are in burnout, they are depressed, they are anxious. Over what, grades? Work? Nah, not worth it at all. I'm trying to flip that script. We can all be a part of that. Let's normalize that. Tell your friend, take the day off. Tell your child, stay home today. We'll do something fun. You seem stressed. Your mental health means more than getting perfect attendance, which means nothing to no one, no one cares, and let's not value that. Take your vacation time, all of it. 
Yes, you earn that. You deserve more than that, actually. Let's do that. This is called focusing on mental health. So we're not pushing our boundaries. We're not letting other people push our boundaries. Uh, what are some other ones? Oh, we are kind of talked about this a little bit. Um, some people build their relationships around some problematic norms. And what that means is sometimes we have friends, family members, or people we're dating where we normalize teasing. Our humor becomes a little hard, a little harsh. I work at some people where it starts to get a little out of hand, starts to feel really bad. It doesn't start to feel safe anymore. It's okay to say, hey, I don't want to relate like that. I don't want to be that couple or those friends where we use our humor to put each other down. Let's actually build each other up. Let's actually be the two people in each other's lives that don't talk badly about each other. How about that? All right, we're going to come back to talk more about this. Then we'll be doing some DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back. And we're just finishing up our discussion about drum roll interpersonal uh, boundaries. But bigger than that, we're talking about how to take care of the people around you. But bigger than that, we're talking about things that have been normalized within all the different relationships we form with different people. And we're starting to normalize some better ethics and values. And the, the beauty and also the harshness of sometimes doing clinical work is being reminded daily of how horrible people can be to each other. The world's hard enough. So many systems and institutions we have to be a part of are hard enough. Let's not make our presence in someone else's life make it even harder. Let's not be our, our child's first bully. Let's not be a student's first bully or only bully as a teacher. Let's not bully our friends. Let's not bully the people we're dating. Let's be good for the people who are in our lives. Let's make them better off for having been around us. How about we make that cool? How about instead of watching housewives attack and put each other down, we have shows where housewives support and build each other up. It hurts my heart and I think it's gross that we have all these reality shows that are centered in the mistreatment of each other because that's fun and entertaining. But let's get away from finding that fun and entertaining. That's why I don't watch a lot of popular culture shows because they're rooted in just glamorizing bad behavior or bad values. Materialism, looksism, body shame, poor interpersonal skills. That to me isn't fun or entertaining. I don't get it. I don't relate to it. Probably because I spend my weeks working with people who are traumatized by that, who've been harmed by that, and I can't find the fun in it anymore. So I don't think it's cool. I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's entertaining. And I don't think I'm hypersensitive. I think I'm being actually mental health centered, caring about kindness, considering how we impact each other. More of that. Uh, so we're kind of talking about that tonight. Um, this is another interesting one, the concept of gaslighting. We, I think it's important for us to be aware of it, but we often misuse it. Remember, gaslighting is when someone intentionally and consciously tries to manipulate you by telling you that what you're thinking or feeling isn't true or correct. They're intentional and they're trying to manipulate you. If someone is not trying to manipulate you and is not intentional, then they're not gaslighting you. Just because someone disagrees with you, just because they heard it differently, just because they see it differently, just because they remember it differently is not gaslighting. They're not trying to manipulate you. They're not intentionally trying to harm you. They're just having a different opinion or disagreeing. That is not gaslighting. We have to stop misusing that. We're allowed to disagree. We're allowed to remember it, see it, or feel differently. That's not gaslighting. Gaslighting is when they consciously are trying to harm you. They are consciously trying to tell you that you are wrong with what you feel or what you think. 
That means that person doesn't care about you. They're trying to harm you. Maybe they're a narcissist. I don't know. But if it's someone just being like, yeah, I don't see it that way, or that's not how I remember it, or I don't believe that, or I don't like that, that is not gaslighting. We have to stop slinging these words around because <laughs> that's a way that we interpersonally are demonstrating red flags because what we're saying is we're not comfortable with someone disagreeing with us. We're not comfortable maybe even being wrong and we mistreat that other person by slinging that word around. We can weaponize a lot of these concepts. We can either use them to protect ourselves and take care of ourselves and take care of other people or to harm. We, we're not trying to harm. Um, let's think about a couple others. We only have a little bit of time left. So maybe, maybe on tomorrow's show, we'll come back to some of these. Maybe not. Uh, these are really good ones. Um, <clears throat> oh, I like this one. Because again, this is uh, a big piece of research I was looking at that pulled together from a lot of different sources, some of the ways that were most problematic in relationships to others, all those around us, with the idea that like, hey, let's be better than that. Uh, one of these is people who can't manage their jealousy. So the presence of jealousy, you know, is okay, it's gonna happen. But just because someone feels jealous doesn't mean that that is appropriate jealousy. Just because someone feels jealous doesn't mean that you have to honor that. You can say, and I quote, yeah, um, I can't honor that. I, I don't agree with where that jealousy is coming from. It's okay that I'm friends with my ex. Yeah. It's okay that I saw an ex of mine and I gave them a hug. Yeah. It's okay that I want to go out with my friends and I don't want it to be a date night. Yeah. A partner saying that makes me insecure, that makes me jealous. You have a right to say, I get that. And I'm sorry you're feeling that, but I still feel okay. And this is the right thing for me to do. You're allowed to tell someone that you don't agree or honor their insecurity, believe it or not. Because sometimes people are too sensitive. Sometimes people operate from a place of toxic forms of monogamy. And sometimes people try to control. And it's okay to say to someone, I can't honor that. I don't agree with that. It's okay to feel jealous, but what you do with it, how you act it out, is on you, the person with the jealousy. And we don't wanna make people's lives harder or smaller because we are made anxious around everything. If you trust your partner, you trust your friend, then it doesn't matter who they're with or where they go because you trust them. And if you don't, you have a bigger issue. You shouldn't be dating or having friends with people you don't trust. So the work is either leaving because they're not worthy of trust or staying and realizing you have trust issues and you need to practice trusting. And the only way we do that is by saying, go with my blessing because I trust you and I need to lead from that even though I'm feeling jealous. All jealousy is not appropriate, believe it or not. And it's our job to do what we need to do when we're feeling jealous about something. It's not for our partner to change their behavior. We're allowed to make people in our lives uncomfortable if what we're doing is right for us and it's within our ethics and integrity. A hundred million thousand billion percent. All right, when we come back, we're gonna do some DMs, so stick around for that. Questions you got for us, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my boyfriend and I moved in together at the beginning of quarantine. Everything was awesome in the beginning, but then about a month ago, started to fight more, get bored, chemistry died, and we got sick of each other. We decided that my partner should move back to their parents because we love each other, but we realize all this stress isn't good for us. Now, I feel like if we ever try to move in again, same thing will happen. Should we just let it go? No. Relationships will go through a lot of ebbs and flows just because during a certain period, things didn't feel great because maybe we rushed it or we were really dealing with a lot that was going on around us and it impacted our mood and kind of got into our relationship. Doesn't mean we can't be better next time or pull it off. Try dating while living separately. See how things go and then down the road, try to move in again. We grow and we change as time goes by. So it might be better to do it again down the road, but take it slow, enjoy each other. Relationships are about fun. It's not about commitment, labels, monogamy, marriage, children's li- children living together. Don't get hung up on the structure and the labels. Just spend time together and enjoy each other. Let some of that early energy come back. I think sometimes when we move in too soon, all these little things that we don't and shouldn't have to deal with yet kind of get brought into our relationship. You know, um, things like financial stuff and cleanliness and our different schedules and all these things that a relationship wasn't ready to deal with or if ever at all. Remember, you don't have to ever live together. That shocks people. You can be together for decades and never actually live together or have kids or get married. Those things don't promise any more love, care, commitment. Those are just things people do symbolically, celebratorily, or to go through stages of acknowledgement, but you don't need to do that. So maybe never live together. Maybe just live your life separately while together, living apart while together. It's a beautiful thing. But more importantly, just because it wasn't working at one time doesn't mean it can't work again. Because as I said, being away from some of those unnecessary complexities and stresses, maybe it was just too much for the level 
um, of, uh, of commitment or closeness or, or whatever it is you had built at that point. So let's see how things could be down the road. Um, all right, we got time for another one. Let's see one that seems like it's a little bit short. Man, here's another one that's kind of related to the same thing. Let's see if it's any different. This one says, Dear Dr. Chris and Loveline, my name is Jessica. I've been with my girlfriend for about two years. We were living together before the pandemic, but for this, but for some reason, this quarantine has gotten hard on our relationship. We fight every day or every other day. I know it's the stress and we're taking it out on each other. Is there anything we can do? I mean, hilarious, because I swear I wasn't planning those two things to be so similar. I just pulled that randomly from a pile of the DMs. Yes, kind of like I said before, be kind with each other. You know, there's a lot going on out in the world, and a lot of times we expect more from our partners than we do from our friends. Loosen up, let go a bit, and soften. Either spend a little more time apart, because maybe you're living together, doing everything together, sleeping together, going to the gym together, having sex together, and it's just too much together, or it's the opposite. You need to go do some fun things together to remind each other that you are fun and can be fun and to have more fun associated with your time together. Sometimes when we're living together, especially during difficult times, we don't have a positive association with each other, just stressful or boredom. So go create some experiences and activities to do together to remind yourselves that there's more to your relationship than just whatever's been created at home in that difficult time. It's all about getting out and doing more. It's all about experiencing different parts of ourselves. It's all about being around others and new experiences and new environments. Newness, 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 newness. The pandemic and quarantine and all that did the opposite. The world shut down and added stressors and some people were forced together prematurely. So take time apart or take more time together depending on which direction you think is necessary. I will leave that to you to decide. But again, it's all about associations. And there's more to the two of you than whatever it is you've been relating to or functioning from. So again, more time apart or more time together, but, but, but give it a shot, give it a shot. Something has drawn the two of you together and has kept you together thus far. Capitalize on that. Not every relationship has to be ending because of the unnecessary structures of right now. All right, y'all, that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. So join us then. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Questions, topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. Again, DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show so you can take me with you throughout the day because it's all about that repetition. You go to wearechannelq.com, scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Be kind to yourselves. Be kind to those around you. We're dropping the bar. We're doing about 70%. Tons of joy, pleasure, and rest. As always, y'all, thanks for letting me be a part of your journey. Have a great rest of your night. Good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 